0: But uh, there's, you know, there to be, you know, beginning uh, this effort uh, for 2021 is. Uh, I think we've learned a few lessons from last year as well. There's help; is we they're, you know, being there to help uh, clear roads, rebuild uh, main streets, uh, and so that the families can get back to their lives. Uh, That's what FEMA does every single day.
1: Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House.
0: This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing,
2: everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat, Oh,
0: You'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny.
3: We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness.
4: All right, well, that's, like, totally normal. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's typical to have uh, the leader of the free world unable to, like, complete a sentence. What was he even saying? I, think I got the, FEMA out of it. I think
5: the difference between Biden and most politicians who don't have control of their faculties and there have been a few Yeah, is that I genuinely can't understand what it is that he's trying to get. It's not like the, the point is lost on me. It's that yeah. I, I like yeah. genuinely don't have any clue what he was talking about. Zero,
4: zero. And, and, and it's really, what's really wild is how they try to cover this up with that's a stutter. Like, no, that's not a stutter. There's been numerous times where this guy just like, has no idea what's going on. He'll show up outside with a mask and he'll be like, Why did you wear a mask? To announce you don't have to wear a mask outside. And he says, So I could take them so I could go back in without a mask. And everyone's like, What? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But what I'm getting at is this is not at all normal. Like, like for four years we were told this is not normal. Well, this guy can't complete a sentence. Also,
5: not normal. Yeah. Also, not no. Well, listen. Hello and welcome to the Ruthless Variety program. We've got another big one in store. Um, a fun one. We've got, I mean, they're all fun. Jesus, we're killing this. Yeah, it's been it's been a good run lately, right? The it's, number show. It's it's been it's been fantastic. We have the attorney general of Missouri, now Senate candidate Eric Schmidt on the program today, who is interesting for a whole variety of reasons that we get into in the interview, which you you should definitely check
4: out. But he's
5: also a super fan of the program.
4: I have to say, uh, his answer to like the second question at the end, absolutely perfect. Like, there's a way to nail that question, and there's a way to just nail it, and he just nailed it.
5: Yeah, it's it's through the moon. It's an amazing answer. But he also, I mean, he also has mastered the pronunciation of program. He's yeah. Got, Got a number of things down anyway. Those are
4: bona fides. That's, that's how you know a real listener from from like, uh oh, my comms person told me. Right. Yeah. No, right. it's legit.
5: It's legit. It's legit. So anyway, we got a ton of stuff to get into. I want to just reel in Hollywood Hen right off the top though because she introduced a topic a couple of weeks ago, Smug, that you weighed in on hot. Yep. And you were entirely correct. Yep.
6: Yeah, this is really upsetting for me. I've got to be honest. <laughs> I feel like this is a smug victory lap, but I, I can't be here for it. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it really does appear like Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck are just full-on dating.
4: I called it. They, oh,
6: yeah. they, were, um, they took a trip out to Montana, but most recently are in Miami where they're hanging out. And they were spotted kissing in between mm-hmm. push-ups when they were um, at the gym the other day. It sounds legit. Us Weekly was like, they are full on dating. They are this, a couple. This
4: makes me so happy. I saw like the New York Post had these photos of like, uh, th- so so they're in Miami. They got a place in Miami that they're renting. Uh, and the paparazzi have photos. It's like, um, Jennifer Lopez is like doing yoga and like exercising. And they're like, oh, she's at the gym seven days a week. And Ben Affleck is just like <laughs> pounding beers and having cigarettes while she's doing this. And I'm like, this is the ultimate victory it
7: like, really this is. is
4: the ultimate dudes posting
7: w's it's, it's ultimate it's a huge victory smug because if you like you know if you listen to a lot of of media today you would think if you were a young man that every young woman wanted a, a guy who wears lululemon and rides a peloton
4: nope
7: but in reality you know ben affleck here ripping cigs drinking beers eating dunkin donuts yes you know gets one of the hottest chicks
4: in the world, and he was wearing a T-shirt that said "Green Monster." Like, let's go! Like, just absolute bro. It's a He's way out there, and, ever, yeah. and he was out there, and like, he was wearing his like basketball shorts, and and a, and a, a shirt wrapping his team. Absolute just, king. I just, fine I just don't want,
6: I don't want my celebs with the everyman. And quite oh. frankly, Affleck doesn't have enough swagger to pull it off. Like, it's one thing. So
4: much swagger. No,
6: there's like, it's like there's a fine line between. Smoking, ripping cigs, and whatever, and being cool, and ripping cigs, and being a loser. No, no. And I he, feel like he leans towards a loser. Like if that were like Johnny Depp or Brad Pitt or see, some of these here's people, the thing, is that like, like David Beckham, I'd be like, yeah, of course, that's awesome. It's freaking Ben Affleck. He does not have well, a swag. This is, this is my
4: personal opinion, everyone, folks. You should do your own research. You know, studies have shown cigarette smoking can be have adverse effects. Whatever. If you smoke cigarettes, you look cool instantly, super cool, right? And here's the thing is, Affleck, Affleck did all the stuff that you're told to do. He had a happy marriage. He had kids. He was, he was married to like, you know, a caring, wonderful person. And he was like, no, I just want to gamble and drink and smoke and get like this ridiculous, like dragon tattoo across his back and have Duncan. He's living the life. And How can you not root for that? Wait, so, Hen, I, I want to I nail that. I think Smug has made himself
5: very clear on what his position is. I want to nail down your thoughts here. Is it that Ben Affleck is just simply not hot enough to pull this off?
6: Yeah, I think he's not hot enough, and he just doesn't have, like, the edge. You know what I mean? It's not like
5: – You think he's soft?
6: Yeah, it's not like Kate Moss and Johnny Depp. Cool. It's like, no, he's kind of like a he's dad so cool. who just, like, still smokes. Like, it's kind I of embarrassing. Say, I think that's – I
5: think that – hold on. I think that's what she said is very important. That is, that there's, is. There's a distinction here because what she's talking about, when she says Kate Moss and Johnny Depp, it's not that you can't have like major problems to the point of health ramifications. Right. She's not looking for a health. Uh, no, it's, no. It's it's that she just simply doesn't think this guy is edgy enough to pull that off.
6: Right. I think, like, if this were, if this were, you know, some of the people that I mentioned, but like if it were puff daddy sitting next to her ripping a cig, I'd be like, yeah, of course that makes total sense. And they're the perfect couple.
4: But I think what hen said a minute ago, it it touches on something, you know, a very important psychological detail. She was like, Ben Affleck is like the dad who kept smoking. Yeah. And from my experience, like, you know, my peers who have, you know, had success and and they've done the right things. They got kids that they're married. Um, and and they're like, oh, my gosh, you're like, uh, you know, you, you can do whatever you want. You can drink anytime you want. You can smoke. You can be crazy. Affleck has it all. Like, he can be the dad who smokes and and not care. He can be out there in the morning, you know, drinking cans of beer, smoking, waiting for his Duncan to show up while he's got Jennifer Lopez doing yoga by the pool. I'm just. How I- is that not? like that's this is this is peak male you know like that 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 this is the peak male
6: he doesn't have it enough for me to make it seem cool that's my point i love it it's just we don't have to belabor the point but listen i think a rod's a loser i think ben affleck's a loser and i think like she needs to find somebody else altogether. i just
5: love this is this is the essence of the hollywood hen segment this is the kind of disagreement that we need to foster on this program (laughs) it's it's not whether you're a better person, it's are you an authentic <laughs> asshole?
6: <laughs> <laughs> I
5: love cool. it. Beautiful.
6: True. Anyway, well, I'll keep you posted if there are any more updates.
4: Okay. All Smug
5: right. Smug
6: has Smug has the win for now, but I think I might win long term. I don't think she's going to stay with. Well,
4: it. here, let's do this. Let's do this roundtable. Uh, you, do you think uh, they last six months? Do you think they last uh, a minimum a year?
6: I or think do they go Smug's- the distance. Six, 6 months max max I mean, what do you, you think in the
4: head category there's just that's going to
5: burn that flames burn real hot
6: yeah huh
4: that's a good point
5: what do you think what do you think duncan
7: um i think it's kind of a safe harbor for them you know an old yeah.
5: flame sort he's of thing he's romantic oh, the old duncan is right? romantic romantic so, oh, he loves
6: love remember how much he loves love I he really do love does
5: loves love nobody love love. nobody on the program loves love like duncan
7: i sure
6: do
5: know. uh I'm rooting for them. I think,
7: I think I, I, I say a year plus.
6: Wow. Okay. That's
4: perfect. That's exactly. This I'm going to take an out segment. My guess, I think they are forever on and off because they're meant to be. Oh, because he's, he's just so messy and I appreciate him for it. I didn't see that. I commend guy. him. And you know, I, and I relate he'll be on and off messy forever.
5: Who would have guessed? You know,
4: it's like a, what was that? What was that quote from Shawshank Redemption? Some birds aren't meant to be caged. That's Ben Affleck. This oh story. my
6: God. Gosh, that's so embarrassing if that's about in relation to Ben Affleck. He's just a loser. He's just such a loser.
5: Absolute hero. This is the best Hollywood hen segment we've ever had.
6: I don't want my stars dating every man, you know? I I look to them. I look to them for like excellence (laughs) and unattainability and this isn't it. This is not it.
5: Hollywood hen, ladies and gentlemen.
4: (laughs) Thank you so
6: much. I can't wait
5: for the next update. Until next time. All right, so we've got a couple of things that we have to, to cover. First of all, hey, Duncan.
7: Duncan. You're going to say merch. You're going to say merch, aren't you?
5: Duncan, where's the merch? Where's the merch?
4: Where's the merch? It's just
7: a constant troll now on all the episodes.
4: Duncan. Two- <clears throat> so it came in, right? I heard, you, I heard it looked great.
7: Yeah, I mean, we had a couple samples come in. Um, looked good. You know, a hoodie came in a t-shirt came in and and I would say for our female listeners yes we will have women's apparel heck yeah so
4: and it looked um, awesome
7: it looked great it looked fantastic so you know we still have some a couple more samples to come in and everything just just to do our due diligence and uh then we'll take this sucker live
5: i got a question are you going to try on the female uh equipment or are you i think
7: i think hollywood hen may, maybe she could do a a few selfies
5: oh yeah okay well geez you really put her on the spot there yeah, right I mean, well
7: I, I i would i would know she ordered she ordered the merch she she did the the work so i think it's only fitting that she she gets to
4: i'm gonna honestly i'm gonna call first dibs on uh the merch i, I want to rock it around town uh, the samples i want them like i'm gonna wear them around town and everything like oh wow I, you listen to ruthless too and i'm like yeah i do
5: I'll say, <gasps> this, I'll say this Duncan. Well, yeah, you're right, smug. That is gonna be the reaction. Yeah.
4: When you wear it, they're gonna be. Like, oh, they're like, "Oh, you like it? it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I love the show. It's great." <laughs> <laughs> I love
5: that so much. I would love to just wear that in a sport coat at my next appearance on something. Oh yeah. You know, hit Fox News with that. I feel like somebody would just they would it would blow their mind. They would be so upset. But I love it. So anyway, when can we when, when, when can we get this thing? Um, you
7: yeah, know, was- maybe next maybe next week. Maybe Ooh, next week. Go. You know, I just need to to get the rest of the samples and then we'll take it live.
5: Okay, okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna live with that. Um, and if it's not here next week, Duncan,
4: boy, oh yeah, <laughs> right. Oh boy. Manians go after Duncan. It's his fault.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I wanted to take a second at the top because there was the passing of a Republican senator who I am certain the Minions are not huge fans of because of the way his politics played out uh, in his post-retirement career. Mm -hmm. But this guy was a living legend when I worked in the Senate. He was... Impossible to replicate a throwback, like what you want in your senator in terms of just being a complete baller.
4: Yeah, when you mentioned him, I was like, wait a minute, like I didn't care for the guy, but I didn't know the, you know, the like inside stories. I only, I only saw the like politics that was reported out, and then you tell me all this, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. So I mean, the guy was a
5: notorious ladies' man. And it wasn't like the Me Too style, like whatever. He was very open about his – I mean, he was what he was, right? He liked women. Women loved him. He gave these just incredible speeches. He was This just, is John Warner, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah right. And I'm building up to that. You know. <laughs> it's a lot of buildup. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, anyway, John Warner is a senator from Virginia, and uh, he passed away yesterday. And his – Legacy in terms of his Senate career is one thing. Post-Senate career, you know, all he did is endorse Democrats. I disagree with basically everything that he ever did. I I don't know. But in the Senate, while I was there, this guy could hold court like nobody else. When he he took the floor, you just stopped what you're doing and turned up the volume because it was just like a, a sartorial display. I mean, the guy was-
4: like the story that you have, I didn't even know it at all. I don't yeah, know it.
5: So 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 I've got a million stories, but here's my favorite one. And it, it comes from uh Carl Hulse, who's a New York Times reporter, wrote a book about this and he included this little vignette. But it would happen with a bunch of reporters who I'd worked with for years and they they, they loved John Warner because of this sort of candor that he had and they were, you know, they'd always like shoot the shit, right? They, he'd come out of lunch and you'd talk to them and they were like, you know, dudes being dudes. Yeah, <laughs> And he would just talk. And um, Carl or somebody in this, in this group of reporters says, you know, Senator, you, you have a great speech. You ought to write a book. And this is the vignette that's in Carl's book. A book, replied Warner, a famous playboy of the Senate who was once married to Elizabeth Taylor. If I wrote a book, he mused, as he stepped onto an elevator, all anyone would want to know is how Liz was in bed. (laughs) Talking about Liz Taylor, right? We all laughed uproariously. Well, the reporter said, maybe that could be a chapter. Oh, no, Warner said, his eyes lighting up with the memory of the elevator. As the elevator doors closed, it would be much more than a chapter. (laughs) Wow. Incredible. Wow. Just a showman. You know? They don't make
7: them like that anymore.
5: Just a showman. I and
7: love uh, I love the detail that his eyes light up.
5: Yeah. Well, there's an additional detail that a couple of the reporters tell that uh the doors actually all but closed on the elevator. As Carl was asking a question, he stuck his hand in it so it opened up and walked back out to offer <laughs> the, <laughs> to offer that it would be much more than a chapter
4: incredible legend
5: <laughs> just a total legend so anyway that's john warner all rest right. in
4: peace what a game
5: yep all right so let's transition into the good stuff um california is still awful uh right, we covered right. that on tuesday nobody should be surprised but there is an additional little detail that's come out as gavin newsom has been dealt a fresh blow Mm-hmm. by a federal judge who ordered them to pay $1.35 million to a church um, after their
4: draconian
5: lockdown. Of-
4: it was 3,000. They closed 3,000 churches. They locked down 3,000 churches. Yeah. Like that is, that's insane. Like, I mean, what do you, like on one hand, what do you expect from California? But like at the same time, wow.
5: What wow. You, wow is right. Wow is right. And I like, it seems to me they. I read and we covered on the program, their, uh, major surplus that they have in California that they're now sending to, you know, whomever in California, I'm I'm guessing it's, it's probably a select group of liberal voting Democrats, but whatever it is, they ought to send it to the churches.
4: Here's the thing is, uh, so, so there's this great quote that, uh, he is the worst governor in America for religious freedom, said Matt Stair. You know, he's founder of Liberty Council. Uh, the church stayed open during lockdown, and the pastor and parishioners were threatened with daily criminal charges that are up to a year in prison. Think about that. It's crazy. A year in prison for, for showing up to church? And and all they got him for was 1.35 mil? That seems like low to me personally. Imagine, imagine if the news story were like, hey, uh, you know, uh, this governor has ordered all mosques and synagogues shut down as long as the epidemic, you know, continues.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm
4: saying. Like, I I, I don't understand 1.35 million. I thought I read it wrong. It's nuts. It should be way more than that. Way more than that. And the fact that, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely bonkers. I think, you know... Uh, we can say at this point, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like we're going to get into that because there's a lot of hindsight when it comes to this this virus. But at the same time, uh, even if you were to take precautions, like people were allowed into workplaces, uh, you know, me personally, I c- I consider uh, church a very essential service. They should have been counted as such.
5: Yeah.
7: Well, you know, I mean, it wasn't just California, right? Like, I remember you know, a lot of churches were figuring out a way to do, you know, like drive, drive drive-in Easter Mm -hmm. service in 2020. Yep. And you had governors being like, nah, you can't do that. Meanwhile, you got Cuomo, you know, still running the subway in New York, which is like, was the epicenter of the pandemic. And it just illuminates such a perfect point. um,
2: I,
4: I think this, this goes towards my theory of what like liberals are like today where it's okay to protest, but not okay to pray it shows where their focus is on like right. you know their parsonship is their new religion right that's like you know their central pillar for their community is their like belief system yeah, the, like your parsonship stories of, determines if something's essential or not totally like you hear all these stories of people who are like i'm going to continue wearing a mask just so people don't think i'm a republican it's like really like you're like scientists are telling you this is completely non essential if you've been vaccinated and and you just want to make sure people don't know like, uh, where you stand on, 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 on partisanship, like, that's incredibly ridiculous.
5: Dude, I mean, if you, watch, if you walk around any city in America, you can see there's a real commitment to that point of view. There is.
4: There is. There absolutely is. I mean, I, mean, everybody, you know.
5: I was blown away. There was a sandwich shop a couple of blocks down from us uh, where it had a, a, a sign on the door that said, you know, mas- according to CDC, masks are, are optional. You walk in, there's not a single person without a mask. Not a single one. And I'm like, dude, what is going on?
4: Yeah, I was in the lobby of my building. I was the only person who wasn't wearing a mask. You know, by the grace of God, thank you, President Trump. And Operation, was it Life Seed. He never gets it right. The one uh, that gave us the vaccines, by the grace of God. I've got my vaccine shots. And I don't have to wear a mask, according to CDC guidelines. So I'm down there. I'm the only person in my building who will be in the lobby not wearing a mask. But hey, hey, I trust the science, folks.
5: Live your life, folks. All right, so let's go to Joe Biden, which, I mean, look, we had him in the (laughs) open. This guy, my God. Um, There was a new poll released from Politico Morning Consult uh, yesterday that showed that 61% of those surveyed were not familiar with the American Jobs Plan And 62% were not familiar with the American's Families plan. The name of the two proposals that the White House and the Democrats are trying to hold up as their signature achievements for 2022. I'll be frank with you. I didn't know what the fuck they were talking about
4: either. Yeah, so I am very much like involved and and pay attention to such things. And and, and this is the first time I've heard of either. Either. Never heard of them. So,
5: <laughs> so, like, the bottom line is this thing has got $4 trillion of of spending, uh, and nobody knows what it is. You've got inflation. You've got no job creation. Democrats have created an environment where nobody wants to go back to work because they're paid more to sit at home. Yep, I give like, an economic disaster in every possible way. Yeah, it's not good. And, and then the way that they're marketing all of this – Is utterly lost on the american people
4: it really is i i haven't heard of either plan i don't know what they contain but here's the thing the only messaging that has come out is just how massive an amount of money they're asking about and i've only heard how much of it is just like ridiculous wasteful spending and that there's no way this is happening like mansion has already uh turned on this he's like no way i'm not signing off on this and that Republicans have, uh, you know, Biden cornered because no one wants to spend four but, trillion on something they've never and, heard and, about. And
7: in the context, in the context of rising inflation, I mean, look at commodities prices. Like, you're yeah. going to spend another four trillion dollars. Yeah,
4: yeah.
5: It's like, I mean, it's, it's Jimmy Carter's administration all over again. It it totally is, and Republicans are starting to pick this up in a very real way. I saw McConnell talking about it today. I've seen a lot of other people. Yep. Talk about it today where it's not, you know, look, they'll talk about taxing the rich, right? To pay for this money printing exercise. It has nothing to do with that. First of all, they're not doing that at this point. They're just blowing through the printing press. But the other side of this is that they're making everything so much more expensive, right? so much more expensive. I mean, you would be blind, I mean, entirely blind if you didn't realize the fact that everything that you were buying is at least 20% more expensive than it was months ago, you know, it, it, everything. And there was, there was this thing that came out today that caught my eye. Maybe it's because I've got small children about diapers. You guys see this? Yeah. Yeah. The diapers are, are now like going to be raising prices exponentially because they're, they're, you know, I don't know, they can't get a hold of them or
4: whatever, whatever the case is the price are going through the roof. So what I thought was great is, um, so the other day, Rick Scott rolled out in the Senate and showed up with these signs for, for in front of reporters and had them guess like how much have the prices of milk, bread, gas, you know, like, uh, you know, important staples gone up. And, you know, what's so telling is these journals had no clue, no idea. They guessed completely wrong. It's like, uh, you know, that arrested development, where she's like, it's a banana. How much could it cost? How much $10? could it cost? Yeah. <laughs> they, they have no idea. They have no clue. You know, right. they, they would prefer to report on like Republicans pounce than like, hold up folks. Uh, we, are, we are getting through the end of a pandemic and everything is very expensive. Uh, you know, Americans are out there suffering. That's not something that they were focused on. Well, and, and, and the
7: media and the Democrats want to talk about, oh, you know, the rich need to pay their fair share. And we're only going to tax, you know, these mega corporations more. And that's how we're going to pay for all of this stuff. And if you're going to dump another $4 trillion into the economy and overheat the economy and make inflation continue to rise, that's the most regressive tax there is. It hurts poor people yep. the most. There you go.
5: Well, and that's the thing. Duncan, I'm glad you, you brought this up because I saw this clown on cable news today, this Furman guy who was an Obama economic advisor. And they were talking about it like, are you concerned with inflation? He goes, yeah, but it's a high class problem. And I was like, well, oh, I can't wait. What? I can't wait to hear Wow. That. And he's like, well, it means that everybody's got so much more money in their pocket. And I was like, are you the dumbest fuck that has ever walked the planet? Are you kidding me? Like your view- of inflation problems is that it's fine because everybody's got money in their pocket.
7: That's how you get, that's how you get to wheelbarrows full of cash in Zimbabwe to buy a loaf of bread. (laughs)
5: Yeah, totally. Right. But this guy, that was his take. His take is like, none of this is really a problem because everybody's got money. Well, let me just tell you wealthy people. None of this is a problem. None of this is a problem. Poor people. It's a real problem. And don't you dare. Don't you dare act like a $2,000 check covers months on end of inflation beyond whatever gross domestic product and wage increase that we've got going on.
4: So, I mean, this is a point I want to make that. I think just like nailed it. So the other day, Cocaine Mitch, friend of the program, brought that the Biden administration wants to tax, borrow, and print more money than America spent on World War II. That's amazing. Let me repeat that. The Biden administration wants to tax borrow and print more money than America spent on World War II to finance. What's a grab bag of just like liberal programs that further jack up the prices on things families need to pay for? Like ask ask a working American family about gas prices, food prices, lumber, housing prices. They will tell you.
5: It's, and it's adjusted for inflation, we might add, too, right? So it's at this point, what yeah. he's talking about is day-to-day what they're doing is asking the American people to sacrifice more than we did during World War II for a problem that largely we've put behind us. Out of their sacrifice, they've already made
4: and another thing. So, like uh, you know, a lot of liberals are trying to say, like, oh, you know, the gas lines aren't going to be a problem anymore now that like you know we paid a ransom to some like Russian group uh, here. So the the Biden White House Advisory Council published a report recommending the Biden administration. Not repair or upgrade pipeline infrastructure. This is part of like their backdoor Green New Deal of like, hey, let's do everything we can. Like, they shut down, uh, you know, they, they destroyed 15,000 jobs by getting rid of the, the, the Keystone Pipeline. And that's not enough. That's not enough for them. They want to make sure that only Putin gets pipelines. That's like the Biden agenda. Pipelines for Putin, nothing for Americans, just you know, make sure that they, they get put on an unemployment dole and prices keep going up. That seems like th- that's their plan in a nutshell.
5: Well, this is the thing we always used to joke about during the Obama years, is that they, they basically plan to bankrupt major sections of this country to rely on fossil fuels in order to, you know, do everything from heat their homes to their own jobs, to their culture to everything around them, fund their schools or whatever. They were fine with completely destroying those communities, provided it got their climate change agenda a little further down the road. But here, I think is a very specific example of how that's actually true, because what they're talking about in the wake of a pipeline disaster, the colonial pipeline disaster, Mm -hmm. they cut off fuel to the Northeast of this country that raised prices and and put people basically without the ability to travel for a while is that you don't repair and change all of that because it's accomplishing our goals. It's accomplishing our goals. And what made it sort of stand out to me is you remember we played the audio that week of Jennifer Granholm saying, well, we all know pipelines are the best way to transport fuel. There you go. She said that. And now their same administration is saying, don't, don't have pipelines.
4: Yeah, so uh, you know what 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 completely reiterates our point is there was some polling done um, that w- more than one third of registered voters are unwilling to spend one dollar per month on like these climate change policies, which which is essentially the reasoning behind all of these decisions being made by the Biden administration of like we don't want to repair or help any of these pipelines, you know. More than one third of registered voters are only to spend one dollar, and I think that says so much about like all of these like liberal proposals is like they always think there is someone else you can punish to enact the yeah, policy the that thing. you want without them having to do anything
5: That's the thing. their entire pitch to America is wouldn't it be nice if somebody else did this,
4: yeah that's That's a hundred percent it is like can we find someone else to do this for us? like we will make these like insane demands, and everything will be okay as long as you find someone else to punish and do it for us i mean that's that's, really- that's it that's in their entire belief system at this point really since of the democratic agenda wouldn't it be nice
5: if somebody else did this pretty much I mean just incredible well, I want to move to um Something that's captivated the headlines this week. Uh, Absolutely. John Cena, which we've affectionately begun calling John Sheena. Yeah, that's right. uh, Because of what he taught. This is a a WWE guy. He's obviously in Fast and Furious 9 who apologized to Chinese fans. In Mandarin, I might add.
4: This is so disgusting.
5: For recognizing Taiwan. Yeah.
4: Right? Uh, he you know, this is like um uh so the so the origin of like that term struggle sessions is is you know during the Cultural Revolution, anyone who was just like against the communist takeover would be forced to like apologize <laughs> and like wear this sign of being like I've been bad, I apologize, I will never again disobey our communist overlords. This is like exactly that. Exactly that. You have someone who who's making millions because like let me tell you the whole reason they do this is because they don't want their movie to get banned by the Chinese government. Like these budgets that these films have, they're like, they count the studios hundred percent count on, okay, we will have China recoup our budget because they have such a large audience. That's what we're going to count on. So we cannot, you know, offend, you know, our paymasters, which is the Chinese communist government. Who's, who's just like enacting a genocide, on Uyghurs having concentration camps. But the fact that you have this guy just show up and release this video in Mandarin apologizing, being like, I want to apologize so much. Uh, you know, I'm so sorry. Please see my movie. Like, unbelievable. Incredible. Have some spine. Have some spine. Have some dignity. Incredible.
5: Unless, unless I've got a theory on this, I've got a theory on this. So, John Cena, big WWE guy, yeah. right? We all know that Vince McMahon, as a WWF, WWE, like all the way through, has always been sort of a step ahead on the cultural revolutions and like the concerns of America. Like a big thing about pitting Hulk Hogan against the Russians and whatnot in the 80s, right? Maybe, just maybe, John Cena, this is all an act, right? That he is... He's basically the WWE heel here. That's going to become a like a pro China person to to animate all of us and make us all angry at him. That he can then reintroduce him into the world wrestling uh, world and 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 like create a new sort of dominant
4: storyline. That would be funny. That would be something. That would be something. You know what? You bring that up, and I wouldn't put it past him. Like um. When this happened, people were uh, posting these video clips of like Hulk Hogan headbutting the flag of the USSR because I mean he's he's a great American. Oh yeah. Uh, I wouldn't put you know that is interesting. But you need somebody, you need somebody to take the pro-Russian position.
5: Yeah, yeah. Which they had several. But now, if you get John Cena playing the heel as a pro-China,
4: that's interesting. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Wow, that'd be mind-blowing. That'd yeah, be mind-blowing. The cultural fight of our time. Yeah. If, you, if that is McMahon, shout out McMahon. That's genius. If so, that's just like some puppet master, I, I'd be for that conspiracy theory because that would be incredible. It'd be incredible, right?
5: right. So, but, but part of the reason it's incredible is everything that we're talking about here is like China-related, including the fact that we're still dealing with the origins of the pandemic,
4: which this we is discussed. Huge. We this discussed, is huge.
5: Yeah. We discussed this earlier this week. Now, now the Biden administration is now saying today that they want to launch an investigation by the intelligence agencies to get to the bottom. Oh, thanks.
4: And he capped it. Didn't he say it was only like nine months or whatever, that they, they're allowed to investigate? He's like, this is this is the time limit. Like, <laughs> oh, for over a year, everyone <laughs> on Earth, the entire planet, has been suffering because of this. And he's like, uh, you know, let's give them nine months for, for I mean this just like this 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 is like one of my issues that just absolutely infuriates me where for so long anyone you know be it Tom Cotton be it be it Joe Sixpack on Twitter you know you would be accused of xenophobia racism like i'm not so, how much of how much of that messaging was actually pushed by the chinese government to try to escape culpability for this, like I've said it before, folks, go see that front line about the COVID cover up. That the Chinese government, 100%, was covering up when when the outbreak began. The data that they had, they were silencing any scientists, doctors, medical professionals that they had in their country who were like, "Hey, this is a problem." They were they they were they were literally showing up to their laboratories and telling them to destroy all the information, right? Well, but we're not allowed to say. Oh, wait a minute.
5: I, I'm going to play you a piece of audio. Somebody, Let's hear it. That I, I believe, will send you to the moon. <laughs> it was from a hearing yesterday, with Fauci. Oh God, yeah. Um, where he's, you know, he's still dealing with the whether the American people sent taxpayer dollars for the virology lab and whatever and what he
0: knew and. You know, I think that's beside the point. Let me play you this audio. Uh, Dr. Fauci, I believe you have testified that uh, that uh, you didn't give any money to the Wuhan lab to conduct gain of function research. Is that right? That is correct. How do you know they didn't lie to you? Excuse me, sir? How do you know they didn't lie to you and use the money for gain of function
2: research anyway? Well, we've seen the results of the experiments that were done and that were published and that the viruses that they um, uh, studied are on public databases now. So none of that was gain of function, so. How
0: how do you know they didn't do the research and uh, not put it
2: on their website? There's no way of guaranteeing that, but in our experience with grantees, including Chinese grantees, which we've had interactions with for a very long period of time. They're very competent, trustworthy scientists. I'm not talking about anything else in China. I'm talking about the scientists that you would expect that they would abide by the conditions of the grant, which they've done for the years that we've had interactions with. So you don't think the Chinese would lie to you? Well, when you say the Chinese, the Chinese are a rather broad group. I know the scientists that we've dealt with have been trustworthy.
0: Mm -hmm. You think all the scientists uh, have told the truth in terms of the origin of the Wuhan virus and not been influenced by the Communist Party of China, do you?
2: I don't have enough insight into the Communist Party in China to know the interactions right. between them and the scientists, sir. Right.
4: My God. That is infuriating. That is infuriating. Does he... I, I don't know where to start with
5: this. I don't know where to start with this. What, what this man is saying who is charged with the American response to try to keep Americans safe from COVID-19 is that he doesn't know enough about the relationship between Chinese scientists and the Communist Party of China to make a judgment about whether the data is accurate.
4: I mean, number one, any idiot, any moron can see the way this virus spread across the planet while the Chinese government covered it up to understand the simple fact that the government covered it up. Okay. We now have, we've got, we've got records on text. There were Chinese doctors and scientists in their, in their chat groups who are messaging each other being like, hold up, folks, I think this is a coronavirus. This could be a problem. Here's what this looks like. And then they had Chinese government officials from, from, from the CCP show up and be like, we need you to delete all your chats. We need you to hand over all your evidence. We need you to d- destroy everything you have re- related to this virus. We know this for a fact. This isn't conjecture. Again, I, I tell everyone, you know, see that front line on the COVID cover-up from the Chinese government. And, and, you know, he, number one, Fauci should be fired. Like he has to be fired. If, if you believe that we need to have the best folks involved in decision-making, he should have been fired a while ago. Um, the, the fact, I, I think he the only headlines, the only news he reads is when he's in it. He's just in love with himself. The guy's whole life now is built around getting as big a book deal as possible. I mean, he's going to get a monster. Like I'm calling it right now, he's going to get a monster advance on his book deal. He could break like you know the the Obama record on 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 a book advance. And he's gonna when when Hollywood eventually makes the movie, that is a total like you know uh, pro Chinese government. Like they did nothing wrong. They're going to either pay him as an advisor or they're going to buy <laughs> the rights to his book. And this guy, like, it's so frustrating because. He is willfully ignorant. He has taken every side of every issue possible when he was put up there to be an expert to help the American people during our moment of crisis. And the fact that he's like, "Well, uh, I, I feel like I have confidence that the, the the Chinese government wouldn't try to influence their scientists." Come on, come I mean, on.
5: I I just want to like I want to put a very specific point to this, which is. We all understand at the outset of the pandemic that there were many unknowns, and that people had all kinds of different advice. Right, Fauci was anti-mask; he was pro-mask. Mm-hmm. He was on every side of every precaution. You know, he was anti-locking uh, uh, down the borders, and then he was pro-locking down the border. Like he—he he was on every side of it. I'm willing to give him a pass on. What he just said, in my view, is the most profound thing that he said in 15 months. He said that he does not understand. In fact, I want to fucking play this one more time. Yeah. Just I want to play this in part one more time. Yep. So
0: everybody can clearly hear what he says. You think all the scientists uh, have told the truth in terms of the origin of the Wuhan virus and not been influenced by the Communist Party of China, do you?
2: I don't have enough insight into the Communist Party in China to know the interactions right. between them and the scientists, sir. Right. He doesn't know enough about the Communist
5: Party of China to know what the interactions between the scientists who are paid by them and them are like.
4: I mean, it's, such, it's such rage that I feel because of the amount of, of suffering that humanity has been put through as a direct result of the cover up and willful ignorance of the chinese government like they kept they kept the genome hidden which could have been used to pre- so so when china was finally caught uh, again go back everybody see the see the covid frontline so when china eventually was caught that they were covering up uh, that this coronavirus was spreading across the planet, and they were like, "Okay, finally, okay, okay, we'll release, we'll release the genome, which has like a, you know the genetic sequence to the world." Within twenty-four hours, German scientists made a test that could test for coronavirus. We didn't have that until they released the information, and they made the world wait while this virus spread. This while guy, elderly people and um, and people across all millions died. I mean, and, I've, I've, and Fauci's like, "Oh, I don't know, I, they seem trustworthy to me." I have so many
5: questions like i I don't know what his relationship with chinese scientists are i don't I don't particularly care, but like what he just said in not understanding the relationship between Chinese scientists and the Communist Party of China would suggest to me that he actually believed the data that they were putting out that there were no coronavirus infections over a period of months while they were welding people into their fucking homes,
4: yeah I mean uh, that. Audacity of this guy.
5: And and look, naivete is something that you expect. Political naivete is something you expect in your scientific community, which is why you don't frequently have them controlling public policy. Right? Yep. This cat, this cat is demonstrating a unbelievable set of naivete, the likes of which I don't think have ever been paralleled.
4: I mean, we've talked about this before. I think he's he's like the sharpest operator in DC. He knew how to play the press. He knew how to play everybody against each other. He survived the Trump administration. He's surviving the Biden administration because, hey, he, ta- he talks both sides of- But well, every- let's be honest. Let's
5: be honest. Here's where I'm going to disagree with you on that. I don't think it's particularly sharp to be anti-Trump. I think that's basically what everybody. Yeah,
4: I mean, uh, he he knows how the game is played, right? He knows so how he to play the media. Be, he just
5: has to be anti-Trump. I think this guy is an absolute disaster. I agree. Yeah, with he, should oh, totally. Be fired yesterday, but but now now is different. It's not that he should be fired. This
4: this guy should he pay the price. Jailed because <laughs> <that>, wow. <well. laughs> I mean, here think about think about how many reporters he talks to on background. Everyone, mm-hmm. every single one of them.
7: Or think, think about the fact that this guy has an opinion about everything. Mm. Everything. Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. Wear yeah. two masks. School should be closed. Well, I think actually school should be open. Oh, well, we should wait and see what the Biden administration wants to do. He's weighing in on everything under the sun. With, the one thing he won't touch? Well, I, I, I don't know if these Chinese scientists were corrupted by the CCP. I, I, how could I know?
5: How could I know? Like, despite, like, decades of evidence yeah
4: right yeah right hey listen uh we watched uh Tiananmen Square on television where the Chinese government uh ran tanks over people but I don't know if if they could influence scientists the government
5: that he was working for literally withdrew from the WHO on his watch because of this because scientists were basically entirely beholden to the Communist Party of China. And this cat is going to pretend as though it's the first time he's ever heard of this? Well, it's because he knows.
4: He knows, like I already said, he knows Hollywood's gonna make a movie on this and they're going to like, either either buy his, the rights to his book or they're going to pay him to be uh, an advisor, and he needs, those, he needs those ticket sales in China. He's not trying to show up with a John Cena video where he's like, I want to apologize You're to the Chinese to government Mandarin. for revealing that, of course, their scientists were being pressured by the government. He's not trying to do that. He just wants his checks. Listen, if you, if you, if you hear Fauci practicing
5: his Mandarin, you know what's up. Bingo. <laughs> He's getting ready for the of video. <laughs> All right, let's try We got two more things we got to hit before this, this interview. First one is CNN ratings. My God, 70% decrease since Trump left office.
4: <laughs> who, hey, who could have seen this coming other than us? Who, who predicted this way back in October, telling them that like if journalists, as stupid as they are, because we know they're, they're very stupid people. They are writing their own death sentence by fighting Trump because he's the best thing that ever happened to the news industry and to journalism in decades. He's the, he's the only upset they've ever had probably in their lifetimes, and they all united against him. And what's happening? CNN loses 70% of their viewers. Like, I don't want to give away numbers, but our show is putting up better numbers than CNN at this point. I mean, holy, holy moly. The, the, what's going on over there, folks?
5: The thing that we talked about all the way back into last fall is that there would be a reckoning for media companies because they built their entire subscriber base, their entire viewer base, their entire following on resistance clicks. Yep. Right. It was it, it, all they had to do is keep feeding an insatiable progressive base who was lit out of their mind, pissed off at the idea of Donald Trump, and they couldn't help themselves. They didn't want to present news. They didn't, they didn't think news was particularly relevant. And more importantly, the business units in each one of these organizations, CNN, Washington Post, New York Times, all of them, decided that it, was, it made much more sense to try to editorialize anti-Trump in their news coverage than it did to provide actual news, yep. which was a great business decision while Donald Trump is in office. Mm-hmm. The moment that he's not,
4: kablooey. They got nothing. They got nothing. Kablooey. And, and, and the thing is, is that it goes beyond just, just how much they tied everything to being, you know, the anti-Trump resistance. CNN has zero ethics. Zero ethics. So now we know, folks, that, you know, Andrew Cuomo, who would show up on, like, the Cuomo Brothers Variety Hour on CNN, it'd be him and Chris Cuomo, you know, playing with giant Q-tips. While 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 Andrew Cuomo is sending seniors to die, and, and medical professionals who should be in in senior centers doing testing and trying to keep those people alive, were instead being dispatched by Andrew Cuomo to his brother. Uh, yeah, that's what happened. They focused on okay, we are going to try and and protect Andrew Cuomo, and we're going to attack Republican governors who actually did a decent job. Like, New York's numbers are awful. Pennsylvania's numbers are awful. Michigan's numbers are awful. But who did CNN try to make heroes? Whitmer, Cuomo. It's 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 very clear what was going on here. Totally. Totally. Well,
5: we're going to have to light one more fire in this episode, and it's under the feet and maybe the hide of Michael Duncan with his old friend Stacy Abrams, and the myth of the stolen election, Michael, you've got some things to report here.
7: She's back. She's <laughs> back. Our favorite Stacey Abrams,
5: the
3: best. Um,
7: you know, she was on MSNBC recently, um, you know, to bash the Georgia election reform law. Um, as we've said here many times on the variety program, this is a woman who still refuses to concede that she lost the gubernatorial race in 2018. Um, you know, she's on there to talk about uh, the big lie, uh, January 6th, um, you know, de- denying election results um, with no hint of irony. And amazing. I, I, I don't know, I don't know if our listeners are aware. Um, but Stacey Abrams, through her, her organization, and this is from the Daily Wire, Through her organization, Fair Fight Action, the advocacy arm of her voting rights group, she helped fund the work of a nonprofit called the the Coalition for Good Governance. This group's website claims that systems-based anomalies and misprogramming occurred in, in the Georgia election in 2018. This is a group that frequently suggested that Georgia's election system is unsecure and corrupt and that, quote, it becomes a game of who can rig the system the best. I mean, wow. she sounds like "Stop the Steal," right? Like she sounds like the people that the media now hates. She's OG. So
5: Stop the Steal and yeah. says yeah. and says
7: they're 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 QAnon. They're QAnon. Stacey Abrams was the original QAnon, apparently. Amazing, but 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 even even more. Stacey Abrams, you know, she calls this Georgia election reform law. Jim Crow 2.0, hmm. you know, it was restricts voting for, for African-American communities to suppress the vote. This is voter suppression. Well, it wasn't voter suppression when, when Stacey
5: Abrams did it, apparently. Well, it's just incredible. It's, it's so incredible to me. And, Duncan, like, I don't know if you remember this. There was an interview. Stacey Abrams went on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd sometime in between the election day and, and Georgia. And she was talked about the Georgia Senate races and all these things. And nobody ever brought any of this up. Like, nobody ever asked her, like, you know, you didn't even concede. No, they just, it's like a total memory hole that just nobody even wants to talk about.
7: She didn't concede. In fact, when she was in the state legislature in 2011, and she wrote about this in her book, Stacey Abrams wrote about this in her book that she slashed early, vote, early voting in Georgia in half and succeeded in doing so. Then the legislation she co sponsored when she was in the Georgia state legislature slashed early voting from 45 days all the way to 21. And here's Stacey Abrams defending that move in Georgia's Democratic gubernatorial primary against her opponent who's attacking her. Stacey Evans.
6: Why did you not only vote with Republicans to cut early voting, but also co-sign the legislation? Certainly. In 2012,
0: we had a bipartisan group of legislators, city council members, county commissioners, and state legislators who came to the Georgia General Assembly and said that we had 45 days of early voting, but only 21 days were really being used. However, small communities like Alma, Georgia, were being asked to do the exact same thing as the city of Atlanta, to keep those days open, to have three full-time staffers, to keep the buildings open when no one was coming inside. And rather than reduce opportunities for voting, what we did together, bipartisan and across racial lines, was to reduce the number of days of voting to meet the national standard of 21 days.
4: Wow, that sounds like Jim Crow 2.0 to me. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? It's remarkable what you can
7: get away with when you're a Democrat.
5: Right. Incredible. I, I appreciate you summarizing that. We needed to do it. Um, but now we need to get to King of the Hill. Let's go. Oof. Let's go. Let's go. It's a big Thursday. We've got Matt Dowd. He's returning champion. He's brought fire takes for months. He came off the, you know, whatever confines were binding him by ABC, and he's just been absolute terror since then and who, folks, who, do,
2: who do you I, have smug
4: I'm bringing I I mean the w- queen. we've got a titan in the ring so so I'm bringing the queen folks we got Jen Rubin as the challenger hell yeah
5: the queen <laughs> I'm Not messing the, around today I love the queen alright so I we'll go ringside let's go ringside let's go uh, ladies and gentlemen
3: your attention please Welcome back to King of the Hill, brought to you by the Ruthless Variety Program. It's time for our main event. In the red corner of hiding out of the Washington Post, standing high feet four inches tall, A former champion, and current hack madness queen, Jennifer Worms Ruben. And now, in the blue corner, hiding out of his own Twitter account, standing five feet seven inches tall, and current champion of the world, a Matthew
5: male pattern
3: down.
5: All right, so God, I just love ringside. Man, I just this program, <laughs> Ashbrook. Shout out, Ashbrook. So good, it's so good. Um, all right, I go first, right?
4: That's right, the, you go first champ. and
5: third. I'm gonna. I'm going to select one that I think is going to play well with the judge and the jury. I'm a, I'm a consumer of the interests of the judge and the jury. And it's a reply. It's, I don't typically, I usually have a, an active statement, not a, you know, sort of a passive statement or a reply uh, in the, my selections, but this one I'm going to go with the reply to Kristen Cinema. Should I read the tweet from Kirsten Cinema to give the full flavor of it? I think so. Okay. Judge will allow it. Okay, I'll allow it. She writes, a woman's healthcare decisions between, should be between her, her family, and her doctor. We'll always protect women's access to healthcare. Like probably the most generic pro-choice pablum you can come up with, right? Like that's probably on the website of every pro-choice organization in the country. Dowd responds, "What are you going to do about voter rights? Because if you don't fix that, then the choice goes away."
3: <laughs> it's
5: so perfect, so perfect, so perfect. It's good. Ah, oh, everything. Everything runs between fixing the election. Everything. It's not about what you actually think or believe or want. It's everything about trying to figure out how we can give Democrats an advantage at the polls. If you're doing that, oh, then you're taking care of the rest of this stuff.
4: I, I got a fire take. And, and, and this is, you know, I, I think uh, this involves a lot of the lore. You know, you got to know the backstory of Jen Rubin, right? Uh, this is someone who, who their, their previous profile on Twitter, because we're going, we're going, we're going through the receipts. Her profile used to say conservative blogger at Washington Post, right turn, recovering lawyer, and friend of Israel. And and today it has a quote from Adam Schiff, so that lets you know where her mind is, and you need to know that context with this tweet, where on uh, May 21st, Jen Rubin says Biden carved out appropriate middle ground, which reasserts U.S. as stabilizing force in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. He knows that, in the long run, it does Israel no favors to encourage reckless, provocative conduct that ignores Palestinians' concerns. It's very reckless for Israel to have rockets shot at them. What a take. That's a hot take. Incredibly (laughs) reckless. She's like, listen, I mean, the Palestinians have, you know, Hamas is shooting rockets. That's her concern. Why are the Israelis not, 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 you know, listening and, and putting up these rockets? Thank God for Biden. Wow. <laughs> that's the take.
5: It's particularly interesting given her background.
4: Yeah. I mean, that's the, you got to know the context because it tells you we're now looking at pure insanity. That's all it is. There, there's no other reason for this. Jen Rubin, like the brainworms, are no longer just like running amok. They're on the keyboard. Typing well, there's no out principle, right? No, there is none, no principle. None. They've none.
7: masqueraded as people who are, who have, you know, a, a, a set of principles that are unwavering and that Donald Trump violated those principles and must be defeated. And now it's just, we're liberals now. We're <laughs> yeah. just liberals. Straight
5: up just liberals, no matter what, no matter and what, what I
7: love about Holmes is, uh, Tweet there, it's great because Dowd's basically become the non sequitur reply guy. Yeah, you know those people who show up in the replies and they want to change the conversation to something else. You know, like they don't want to actually talk about what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And they just they just talk about whatever they want to talk about.
5: Well, he's supposed to be. This is the the beautiful part of it. Is he's supposed to be the conservative, the former Republican. That's right? right. So he can't be overtly pro-choice. But what he can be is absolutely partisan. And the only thing that they're talking about in terms of like electoral advantages at HR one. So that's what he's turned her concerns into.
7: He, he, he's like, he's not, not just saying, you know, I am also pro choice and I support this. He's saying, Hey, let me give you a roadmap for how to make sure that we have abortion on demand in America forever. <laughs> that's me, the conservative. Yep.
4: Incredible. Yep. Gosh, they're both really good. I mean what for, a different, different, take for different than, reasons. It's very provocative of Israel to to, to have rocket shot at it. What well see, it that's the thing. I mean
7: <laughs> I can't deny Rubin's complete about face on Israel. Smug wins.
5: Boom. You know what? I, I I'm okay oh, with it because of that. Because of the the jury's uh, rationale there on her going from Zionism to pro-Palestinian, to me, I wasn't going to say it in the consideration,
4: but to me, that's bonkers.
7: It's it's bonkers.
4: Absolute, absolute, absolute turn of face. All right, you're up, Smug. Jen Rubin, again, May 21st. It was a day for her. to John LeMire. Biden making joke at silly Fox reporters' expenses. Pure Biden. He asks about UFOs. No wonder he isn't usually called upon. How wrong can one person be when like every, every branch of the military has now been like, listen, folks, we got to talk about UFOs. Yes, they're legit. Here's the video. And she's like, nope. <laughs> Not going to listen to this. So I got to bring something
5: strong here. I got to bring something strong. I feel like I've I've got something. I've loaded it up. Actually, I really like it. Because of the context of Matt Dowd, I, I really like it. Yes, Rick Santorum being axed by CNN is beneficial to our nation, but news outlets must set a higher standard. They should not allow anyone on air who misleads or lies to viewers especially those they pay, that should be the table stakes. <laughs> wow. Rick
7: Santorum is the problem. The guy has just gone on there to get, you know, attacked by five people on a panel every day of his life for years. And this is the way Dowd, a so-called conservative... Defense him.
5: This is Maddie Russia conspiracy talking about how imperative it is for the media to have absolute assurance that everything is talked about is fact and reason. Wow. Never been a worse take. So...
4: The, the thing I like about is, the, is being like, I'm Jen Rubin and I will deny everything. Every military expert has said, I,
7: I, I like that. I like that because I do love the idea that all Jen Rubin does all day is cheerlead for press conferences where she takes the side of the Biden administration. Can you and she's just sort of like on the couch, giving you her feedback on the way it's all going. Yeah, That's cheer. fantastic. It's such it's, a tough it's, gig. It's, it's, it's great content. She clearly works very, very hard. Um, What Holmes has offered up here, and I think it's really a window into the mind of these people who constantly ask for us to apologize for ourselves, Mm -hmm. for the conservative movement, for, you know, any Republican, whenever they do anything, never do, never apologize. Because you give them something and it's never enough. They want more. They want to destroy you. That's their end goal. And so we, we play this theater where they make a suggestion to, you know, distance yourself from so-and-so. It will never be enough. Because the second you say, yep, I agree with what the liberal media says. Well, why did it take you so long? <laughs> what did you know and when did you know it? What was your motivation between, you know, between then and now and deciding to agree with us? None of this is real. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care about Rick Santorum. Their end goal is to
5: deplatform all of us. I love it. That's 100% correct. I will also add the one little caveat that I love as a crown jewel in this is the idea that the nation has benefited by whoever CNN picks as their talent for yeah. on-air discussion.
7: <laughs> right. Yeah, Chris Cuomo's good. He's not going to get fired. Rick Santorum's a problem.
5: But also that a a lonely nation waits in the balance. That's right. For the 245,000 people who watch the piece of shit program. (laughs) So that's, that's Holmes for round two. (laughs) All right. So I saved, I saved, I saved one. That's going to be the conflation of it all. I might add, as a preface to what I've chosen this week for doubt is I didn't have to go back more than four days. It didn't take a lot of searching. This man, this man is just a fountain of unbelievable takes. So I've, I've gone back to may 22, which is far back as it goes. Um, at 10 35 AM bright and early, right out of the sack, uh, Matt Dowd says white nationalists and the white cultural grievance GOP members would rather believe lies from their media enablers than the truth from someone who doesn't look like them or who is of a different culture. Reason loses to emotional response. Wow. What is this? What is the context of this? There is no context. It is a statement. There is no reply. It's, it's just a statement of fact. A statement of fact is that the, at the beginning, there's a conflation between Republicans and white nationalists, which he has now presented as one, as one, and then says, well, says, he doesn't even infer. He says that they would, these people would rather believe lies from their media enablers than the truth from someone who doesn't look like them. Oh, you mean like Tim Scott?
4: Oh, I got fire. I got fire. Jen Rubin's got this. Jen Rubin has this. I don't know, man. Jen Rubin's got this. That's tough to beat. Again, so this is Jen Rubin. Again, again, on May 21st, a day that she was just going off. Golf queen. Jen Rubin, referring to Joe Biden. He avoided any public contentiousness with it with the nation, yet he managed to help halt violence there in the span of 11 days. We're talking about Israel and Palestine. A fraction of the time it took Israel to wind down its 2014 war, which lasted some 50 days. Yeah, Biden stopped the war, not Iron Dome. And I like the extra uh, layer of how you know she's faking faking the, the lib take to get paid because she's even throwing Obama under the bus being like, he couldn't do it in 2014.
5: Listen, I appreciate her in, in is layers, I, I, layers I, of brain worms. There is nothing more crazy than conflating all Republicans with white nationalists and suggesting that they don't listen to anyone who
4: doesn't look like that? We opened the show with Biden unable to complete a sentence, and she's like Biden, the peacemaker. Biden. This isn't it. this is the Trump administration and and Jared Kushner who were just like signing peace deals like every week around the clock. You could sit your watch to that. This is Joe Biden, absolute leadership. <laughs> what a take! They're both good.
7: They're both good. And 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 the the Jen Rubin cheerleading biden is uh it's incredible the one thing i would know and and just we have previous evidence here from from another tweet about cnn and rick santorum and how you know rick santorum should not only be removed from the air but any conservative that that doubt and his never trump buddies don't vet he, they, they should not have airtime as well cnn had a white nationalist on Richard Spencer. That's right. CNN platformed white nationalist Richard Spencer to talk about Trump. That's right. But but, but would they don't tell you, Richard Spencer supported Joe Biden. He announced his support for Joe Biden. You think CNN had him back on to talk about? I don't miss what that. What is it about the Joe Biden agenda that you support white nationalist Richard Spencer? I miss. Can we that. talk about that? No, of course not.
0: Incredible.
7: I mean, these people are just totally morally, ethically bankrupt. They're the worst.: So for that reason, I think Dowd is still our champion.:
5: <laughs> That was close. That was close. It was a tight match, and yeah, I: It was, I- was a tough week, man. I appreciate the week.
4: way that Smug played that because he really. I, I pushed hard. I pushed hard. Dad had it. Dad, dad, dad bought the ammo. I'll, I'll give him that. I love it.
5: All right, let's get right into our big interview. Attorney General of Missouri, Eric Schmidt. I want to welcome to the program Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing great. This is a huge deal for me. I'm a big fan of the variety program. And, uh, it's, it's great to be on. You guys do an incredible job. And, uh, you know, to be able to go from the Wuhan virology lab to naked and afraid in one segment is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I'm a huge naked and afraid fan. So the show is right up my alley.
5: I can appreciate that. The fact that you can appreciate the transition between the two. That's, that's awesome. We were well. laughing. Oh, I was laughing, um, with McConnell the other week, the first time I, I'd ever, ever met you, you were at the senatorial committee uh, exploring your candidacy and bumped into leader McConnell over there. And I was there and, and McConnell was laughing that the first time we met you, uh, you turned to me and said, we, I love the program. <laughs> said, this guy gets it. <laughs>
1: That's right. but,
5: but in all truth, the, the first time that you showed up on our radar, Daniel Cameron, Call, yeah, attorney general of Kentucky, who's a, a friend of yours. He called me and said, You got to talk to this guy, he's a serious person who's doing really incredible work. And this was before your uh interest in running for Senate, before we knew that that Senator Blunt was going to step away, obviously. And so we had start started digging around uh to try to talk to you months ago.
1: Yeah, Daniel's a, a great guy. Well, you know, Daniel's a great guy and um, a, a good friend, and one of these guys you just you know. We've gotten to know him and his and his you know wife. And it's just uh he's a high caliber guy. And that AG world, you know, the I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more. I mean, we're in the middle of a lot of those fights together, you know, the with the levers of power kind of tilted towards the Democrats uh everywhere in DC. It's the Republican AGs they're kind of really pushing back and stepping into that void. But just, you know, he's just a great guy. And um, you know, I was really proud of him. He did, you know, the RNC speech he had was just great. You know, it was one of the best that whole lineup. He's just, he's a great guy, very talented.
5: He is, he is. And the AGs are, are a talented group. We'll get into everything that you are have been up to, but I want to touch on the the top uh issue that I think most of our audience is concerned with, which is that Missouri Senate race. It goes without saying Republicans can't have a majority just will not have it if we don't win in Missouri you've thrown your hat in the ring Uh, I think it's been what seven six seven eight weeks something like that how's it going
1: it's going great you know as we um, you know for me you look around and uh, it feels like our culture our our country and our culture is kind of slipping away right and you guys talk about a lot on this show and and we need more fighters in Washington, D.C. And so when Senator Blunt announced that he wasn't running, um, you know, it was after a lot of consultation with family and supporters is the right time to, to go do it. I mean, I spent a lot of my time when President Trump was in office defending that, you know, America First agenda with, uh, you know, border security and energy independence and, you know, unprecedented prosperity. Uh, and then now Joe Biden, you know, is trying to to uh, tear all that down. And so I spent a lot of my time as AG now pushing back on that. And so really, you know, for us, it's it's time to to save America. And I don't mean that like rhetorically. I think a lot of the things that we care about, you know, this country, the whole American idea of, you know, that we're all born with certain rights and government's just our shared project to protect those rights. And the founders set up the system of federalism to protect individual liberty. That's what it's really all about. And so as AG, you get to go do that. But the, the Senate is the most important legislative body in the history of the world. All of those big, important debates roll through that chamber Uh, and to be able to fight for the people of Missouri is something I take really seriously. So we're off to a really good start. I mean, we've raised a million dollars in a pretty short period of time. The support's been great uh, and we're going to continue to um, work hard because we can't lose Missouri. As you said, you know, as much as, you know, I've won statewide twice by 18 points and then 22 points, but those Senate races are always much closer than that. Um, And a flawed candidate can lose Missouri. We've seen that happen. Uh, Republicans lose. I mean, even, you know, Josh Hawley, you know, um, who's doing a fantastic job, uh, won by six points. And uh, Roy Blunt won by three points, all within the time that Missouri's gotten more and more red. So we can't take anything for granted. We have to have somebody that's, you know, a proven conservative, go out and win. And that's what we're, um, you know, we're focused yeah. on.
5: Well, we figured out how to lose states like Alabama before. So it seems to me like we ought to keep an eye on just about everything. I, I want to go back to one thing I think I heard you say. You, did you say you've already raised over a million bucks?
1: We have. Yeah, so the support's been tremendous. Um and we're working wow. hard. I mean, I you know, I don't know any other way than to just you know, somebody told me a long time ago you run unopposed or scared, right? And so you just uh work as hard as you possibly can. And I think again, having been around the state, um people know me. Um the support has been really overwhelming and and that's what it's going to take uh, to hold on to the seat because the Democrats will look for any opening whatsoever to try to make, uh, people have to play in a state like Missouri and look, it's a 50, 50 Senate. I mean, this is the slimmest majority. Of the, de- the Democrats are operating like they have some sort of mandate, uh, to move, you know, as they rush and sprint to the left. But, um, you know, these are the slimmest majorities they could possibly have in both the house and the Senate. We've got to take back the Senate and we've got to hold on to a state like Missouri. And plus look, I'm, you know, 45 years old. You, There's an opportunity to go there and fight for things. Um, hopefully for a while and, and make a difference for the, you know, as a sixth generation Missouri. And I, I love Missouri. I care about the state. Um, as attorney general, you get to fight for all six million of them every single day. And to be the U.S. Senator from the state of Missouri would just be an honorable lifetime.
5: Yeah, that's great. Well, so unless you're from Missouri and you're consuming this at a local level, chances are most of our listeners have only heard about the Missouri Senate race in this point because of the candidacy of, of Eric Greitens. And we we've made a big deal on this particular program about Republicans focusing on what matters here, not taking the bait, not playing the media's game. The media wants to talk about Eric Greitens every day because they think he's the, the least qualified candidate and the most likely opportunity for Democrats to take the seat in Missouri. But that obviously falls on you as well. One thing I've been impressed about is that there's all this speculation about Grightons and now I think the McCloskey guy who's got in was the, the dude with the gun in the, in the front yard and all that. Is that you just haven't gotten in the middle of the drama? You, you kind of tended to your own knitting and raising a million bucks. That's, that's a significant accomplishment in that short of time.
1: Yeah, and I think the message resonates too. People understand, um, you know, we've really taken a leadership role in the AG world. Um, of pushing back, you know, we're, we're leading the charge on a lot of these high profile lawsuits. Um, And I've, you know, said at a recent, you know, Lincoln day that, that my intention is to take a blowtorch to this Biden agenda. And because it's dangerous. I mean, it's, you know, the stuff that they're talking about, I mean, HR one, which would fundamentally change our election process, federalize our elections, make ballot harvesting legal, you know, prevent states from moving with voter ID. This stuff is would have been, uh, you know, they would have never uttered these ideas just a few years ago, packing the Supreme Court, but all that's on the line. I mean, they want to do all of that stuff. And so for me to just remain focused on the job that I have at hand in this very, very important Senate race and, you know, kind of put your head down and go to work. um, That's what I want to do. And I think that's what it's going to take to win. Do you, do you
5: care? I mean, everybody speculates about, you know, one or basically the entire congressional delegation in Missouri getting into this race or not. Does it, does it matter to you? Do you care?
1: No, no, it doesn't. I think you just go out and and do what you're supposed to do. Right. Which is um, try to persuade people that you're the right person, you know, for this job. And I'm going to do that, whether it's, you know, just me or there's, you know, a bunch of people in, um, and I think it'll all, it'll all play out, you know, um, the elections next year, filings, you know, next spring. So there's a lot of real estate from here to there. But the most important thing for me to do is just continue to go out and and get support and uh, do the important things that matter to people. You know, when we were fighting for election integrity, you know, when we were the first state to take on China um, with the coronavirus, um, all of the you know the cases that we've gotten that we brought forward against the the Biden administration. Now people understand that that uh, you know talk is cheap, but when you're you know you sort of actions speak a lot louder than words. And that's what we're doing. That's been my record, um, you know, as again, as a lifelong conservative who believes in the conservative movement. Um, and uh, and I think your audience is very well attuned to that. I mean, you've got a lot of different people listening to your program, but, um, but I think people get it. Like you're speaking to a group that understands that, um, you know, the way that they treated President Trump for four years is completely different than the narrative you get from Joe Biden and want people to go there um, you know to stand up and fight, and uh, and that's what I intend to do.
5: Listen, you're getting bonus points like crazy for the program uh, <laughs> pronunciation. This is the minions love this. The minions love this. Let me, let me assure you. So, but one of the things you mentioned, what I, I want to dig into a little bit because I agree with you that it's it's one thing to look at candidates on paper, it's another to look at a body of work. And uh, when Cameron flagged what you'd been up to, I, I dug into it a little bit and saw that you had whole bunch of different litigation going against the the biden agenda essentially i wonder if you can't just walk us through some of that
1: yeah so there's a you know from the get-go on day one i mean he issued all these executive orders and took executive action on a bunch of different fronts but principally on um energy and immigration those were the sort of the two high-profile areas there's a bunch of things going on but you know when it comes to energy Um, We were on the lawsuit there that challenged the cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline, which, you know, I mean, these are hardworking folks that, you know, through the middle of the country that lost their jobs. Um, We had achieved energy independence under President Trump. And to appease the left, I mean, Joe Biden cancels the thing on day one. And then you've got the, you know, the the climate czar, (laughs) John Kerry you know it's just so out of touch you know where whatever pink tie he had on and whatever <laughs> talking about how you know people should just go and learn how to build solar panels as he's flying <laughs> around in a private i mean you couldn't make this stuff up it i guess it plays well in a cocktail party in dc but in places like missouri i mean it stinks right so i mean we if were you were to like
5: if you were to custom create an out of touch effete, feet north <laughs> liberal Jerk. How could you, would you change a little thing on John Kerry? No, and
1: you'd you'd call him a climate czar. That would actually be (laughs) the title, right? (laughs) So, Like you can't actually make it up. So we were involved with that. And then, you know, there's this little known, he put together this working group on day one uh, of a bunch of cabinet members um, to come up with what is these quote unquote social cost of greenhouse gases. And they came up with a number that's like, you know, in the billions and what they're, what they're doing is they're, predicting future migration patterns and warfares and conflicts and pulling all those costs back into present day value and then now regulating and taxing different industries, right, like agriculture and manufacturing. And so we were the first state to file a lawsuit on that. Um, not only is it bad policy, there's just no, they have no authority to go do this stuff and, and to kind of put out, you know, transportation and the EPA to go devastate entire industries and you know millions of jobs along the way. I mean, this is the new green deal, or this is the green deal without ever having you know to vote on it. Yeah. And so we've challenged that um, on the immigration front. We we filed suit on the um, on the cancelation canceling of the um, migrant protection protocols. You know, the remain in Mexico policy. Yeah. Uh, and we're hopeful on that. We partnered with Texas on that because that was working. You know, and that was essentially under Obama, people would come here seeking asylum, they'd be in the interior, released into the interior, and they you'd never see them again. Right. Right. And but the, the change was Mexico became sort of the waiting room and it was working. People were getting their court dates, but they weren't, you know, we knew where they were at. Um, but that's all gone now. And so you've got, you know, a 20-year high and in, in this, you know, this surge in illegal immigration. And from a human trafficking standpoint, and one of the things, you know. General Cameron and I work on together very closely is you know anti human trafficking efforts. You've got a lot of interstates that run through Missouri, and you see a lot of bad actors now um, entering the country with people who are really vulnerable, taking advantage of that situation. So we've got that lawsuit, Um, and so uh, uh, there's just a lot of things going on, and we've certainly been in the lead on it because you know the Republican AGs really need to kind of stand in that gap. And then there's all kinds of stuff that we're pushing back on HR one, packing the court, DC statehood. These are all things that we're sort of weighing in on that are really relevant for people. And, uh, you know, critical race theory is another another thing that came up last week that we're pushing back on as the Department of Education seeks to prioritize grant funding for people who apply for, you know, critical race theory, which is a very un-American concept, you know, um, and kind of changes the narrative of who we are, which is America kind of sets apart, sets, you know, outside of history in many ways there's always been this sort of tribal aspect and people try to aggregate power in those things. But America had this idea that everybody's, you know, born with an opportunity to pursue their dreams and based on a quality of opportunity. And so anyway, these are really important things and, and uh, you know, we're taking the lead on it and pushing back.
5: Yeah. Well, listen, I think one of the things that's most impressive about the litany of, of issues that you just discussed, the fact that your office is doing its homework, right? I mean, this is a time where we just don't have the luxury of, uh, you know, top-line, surface-level understanding of what's happening. You've got a very committed opposition on the left that is absolutely, absolutely committed to enacting an agenda that would, you know, frankly, ruin the country. And it sounds to me like you guys are digging in on every possible footing.
1: Well, yeah, and you've got, you know, look, we talked about why liberty matters. I mean, Biden is trying to bulldoze all those kinds of separation of powers. It's why they're talking about packing the court. If they can't get their way one way, they'll try to do it another. And um, that would be incredibly disastrous, you know, for the republic. It's why, you know, this whole kind of administrative state thing that's been talked about in conservative circles for a long time is really important because, you know, as you get around, nobody voted for the deputy undersecretary of the EPA, right? <laughs> but that person, if they issue some guidance or some rule, it could devastate, like with waters of the U.S., it would devastate, you know, rural Missouri. So, you know, we, you have to have people who are willing to kind of stand up and fight. And, uh, and that's exactly what we're doing. It's really important work.
5: Yeah, I know there's stuff too. I think it's more important than just saying you're fighting, actually talking yeah. about what you just did about regulatory policy and things like that. There's precious few people who come into Senate races who understand that coming in. So I like, I like where you're starting. Another issue that you've uh, been at the forefront on, I think because it's become frankly, a big issue in Missouri is the whole defund the police
1: movement. Yeah. It's look, it's, it's turned in, uh, you know, it used to be sort of just rhetoric. Now it's reality, including here in the heartland, you've got, you know, St. Louis, for example, which, you know, and I'm, I'm native to, to the St. Louis region. Um, I hate to say it, but you know, it's got a, a really bad violent you know, crime problem. And St. Louis and Kansas City are both in the top 10 in violent crime rates. And so what do you see happening now? You got the new mayor of St. Louis, a progressive mayor taking millions of dollars away from law enforcement, uh, eliminating 100 positions when they were already 150 officers short. Kansas City this week moved um, without a lot of notice. Um, to defund their police department and shift money away from law enforcement. I mean, it's really dangerous stuff that, again, is kind of this, they're genuflecting to the left here, you know, and kind of letting them know that they're on board. And you got C- Congresswoman Cory Bush, you know, like applauding all this stuff as it's going on, but it's really dangerous. It, it's a real disservice to law enforcement. It's a disservice to victims, but it's real, it's happening. I mean, it's not just people talking about it anymore on the left they're actually moving proposals and taking millions of dollars away in these budgets in the big cities, and the results will be disastrous. I mean, we ought to be putting more money into law enforcement, uh, making sure they know that they're supported, uh, but that's exactly the opposite of what's happening in singles and Kansas City.
5: Yeah, no question about it. So you strike me as a guy, before we get to our three questions, I gotta just ask you, because you strike me as a guy who sort of enjoys campaigning. Is that right?
1: I, I do, I like, you know, I, I like talking to people. I like, uh, and I think if, you, if you're willing to listen, you can learn a lot as you go from places like St. Louis to the Boot Heel um, in, in Missouri, which is that, you know, that far southeast part for people who aren't familiar oh, with I'm, the state. I'm well.
5: real familiar with that.
1: Yeah, part. well, right. We're <laughs> in Kentucky and, and uh, you know, it. that's a very southern kind of um, cultural temperament, right? And then yeah. southwest Missouri is much more like Texas and Oklahoma. And northern Missouri is a lot like Iowa and, and Kansas City sort of, Faces a little bit more to the west, and St. Louis kind of faces a little bit more to the east. So, uh, it's a it's a fascinating, you know, culturally diverse place, and uh, I like talking to people, and uh, it's it's a great time. It really is.
5: Yeah, I bet you're out eating as much barbecue as you can eat too.
1: <laughs> That's right. We've got that going for us here for sure.
5: <laughs> well, that segues nicely into our three questions, which, as a listener of the program, you're very familiar with, and I'm sure you've thought about. But the first one here: the last meal on Earth. Eric, what are you gonna
1: eat? So yeah, this is a big one. Being a Missouri guy, it's barbecue, and um, I'm gonna have a pork steak. Now, I probably should explain what a pork steak is. Oh, yeah, you is. gotta explain. It's uh, a pork butt, which is actually a pork shoulder, right? A uh, slice like a steak, and it's it's very um, fatty. It's very flavorful, and so you put a lot of barbecue sauce on that pork steak, like a you know a twice baked potato, some corn on the cob. Um, pork and beans, and an ice cold frosty bush beer. That would be my last <laughs> meal on earth. And I would make it. I would actually make it. I I'd, I'd Listening to a Cardinal game outside, grilling myself. Maybe that's that Midwestern value. I don't know what it is. Listen, but that, that would be a perfect last meal. That
5: deeply resonates with me. Uh, that's probably similar to, to something I would – I definitely want to cook it myself. But let me – I got a technical question on the pork butt. Yeah. So – is there a preparation distinction on the pulled pork? Do you have to? Do you have to pull it out a little earlier? Maybe not wrap it quite as quickly. How does that work? Yeah, so
1: the pork steaks actually cut like. Yeah, that's
5: what I mean. Like in order yeah. to get that cut, do you? Is there a different preparation there?
1: You just you, you, they the, the butcher will cut it. My dad was actually a butcher before he ended up working at Anheuser Busch for thirty years. So like huh. my dad, like there's a huge. My dad still has a huge meat freezer in his house, oh, and I nice. have one. In my basement. But, um, but yeah, so it's like a steak and then you just you just season it. And um, you can kind of, um, if you want to smoke it, you can. Yeah. I usually, you know, grill it at a low temperature and then um, people have different views on if you put barbecue sauce on or not. I kind of lather it up with malls barbecue sauce, which is a very kind of St. Louis area thing to do, but that's where I grew up. So.
5: I love it. Okay. All right. So second question, if you weren't involved in public service or politics at all, what would you be doing with your life?
1: So um, I would say be center fielder for the St. Louis Cardinals. But you can at say that. That, time, that is not that. a real answer. Well, it might not life.
5: be a real answer, but like Ted Cruz said he'd play in the NBA and and, and yeah, no, no. Said none of, of these play- things
1: are po- really possible. Right. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> but um, I would say that um, with the, uh, the, the resurgence now of, of uh choo-choo trains from the biden administration i want to go into business with smug on this jetpack idea and you know take on big choo-choo and uh you know jetpacks as far as the eye can see that's that's (laughs) what i want to do with smug i can't tell you how enthused he will be to hear
5: that that you will help him with his choo-choo chris i mean
1: let's get it a little get it off the ground we'll do this together It'll be great well, hopefully I win the Senate race. That's the that other thing. But but if, if I don't, I suppose we'll talk jetpacks. Yeah, but either way, either way, you're
5: going to have a meeting on choo Choo's. Uh, we, we're going to have to establish that.
1: Well, I think big choo-choo, there, you know, there's a time to take on big choo-choo now uh, with a, uh, you know, a disruptive event like jetpacks. So. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right.
5: All right, so third and final question. What motivates Eric Schmidt more, the thrill of victory or
1: the agony of defeat? So I've listened to the answers on the show from people here. Here's my view. I'm very competitive, um, like a competitive guy. And one of the reasons why um, that Jordan documentary from a year ago with the last dance was so great is because you could see how much Jordan, I mean, he liked winning, right. But he hated losing. He hated like those slights. Like I hate losing every, I think everybody loves to win. I love to win, but I despise losing. And it doesn't matter if it's like, you know, playing Jeopardy with my wife or something, or like a board game, or as recently as a charity softball tournament. Like, I don't (laughs) like losing. So um, I think that's probably the honest answer, right? Like, I'm a glasses half full guy, but man, I hate losing. So I would take agony of defeat as the answer.
5: Only a listener of the program, and a a significant listener of the program would do this sort of internal soul searching that you did to get there.
1: Because you're not, well, you can't be funny out. about it, right? You got it. Like, that's the real answer. You know, yeah, there's, no, it is. there's no hedging on it.
5: So. It is. There is no hedging on it. I had to quit intramural softball together because of it, but you know, <laughs> listen, Hey, listen, this is awesome. Where do we find your website for folks who want to uh, help out?
1: Yeah. Uh, Schmidt for is the website. And I'm on the Twitter machine at, at Eric underscore Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-T-T. So uh, yeah, we're online. They can find more about the campaign and, the work we're doing in the office too. Um, But it's, it's been great to be on with you You guys do. Honestly, you do a great job. It puts a smile on my face every time I get to listen. So,
5: well, we appreciate it. We appreciate your time. Good luck out there.
1: Thanks. Now that is a true friend of the program. You mean through and
5: through, right? I mean, he's not only like that good staff work only gets you so far, but when you, when you're reciting things that you've heard in different programs,
4: yeah, you can't pick the funk there.
5: uh, A big fan of the program. And I think a pretty substantive guy. Look, I don't know how this primary is going to play out, but I will say, I think that he has what it takes to be a good United States senator. And that, you know, I I will not say that of Eric Ryden's, Um And I, I don't know what the rest of the field looks like, but this guy certainly got what it takes.
4: And again, I reiterate, front of the program. Like I'm very biased in that sense. They're but hey, that's a lot of that's a lot of points. Yep, Pax. Another banger of an episode, gentlemen. Before we go, I want to give a quick note. So if you are listening to this on Thursday, folks, I am on Twitter holding a live watch for the Clarence Thomas documentary um, at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's on Tubi. That's T-U-B-I. It's free to watch. Uh, It's going to be a great time. I'm actually hosting a a party in my place for a lot of folks to come over. Duncan, you should come over too. Give that, give that a look-see, folks, because this documentary is something else. Clarence Thomas, incredible person. When you see the story of, of what he has overcome and what he's accomplished, it makes you respect him all the more. So that's my plug. But, gentlemen, another banger of an episode. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.